Wonderful, thank you so much. Um, I, I forget the, the, the guy's name, I should have looked it up before um, I started preaching. But uh, let's, let's say his name's Houdini. A man who um, tied a piece of rope to one side of the Niagara Falls, at the other end to the other side, and decided that he would walk across a tightrope from one side of the Niagara Falls to the other. Blondin, that's right, yeah, I got that wrong. Well done, thank you. We're being fact-checked live this morning. <laughs> and uh, not only did he walk across, he took a wheelbarrow on a piece of rope above those raging waters. And he did it so many times that crowds of thousands would gather. And so one day, having just walked from one side to the other with the wheelbarrow, he said to the crowd, do you believe that I can take a person in the wheelbarrow? Yes! They all cried. Yeah! Okay, can I have a volunteer? <laughs> Tumbleweed. Do you believe I can do it? Yeah! Can I have a volunteer? Tumbleweed. He did this multiple times, and as far as I can remember, the only person who ever actually got into the wheelbarrow was his mother. There is a difference between saying you believe something and getting into the wheelbarrow. Faith is not expressed in words. Faith is expressed in actions. There's a story they tell on the Alpha course of an English translator working overseas trying to translate the Bible. And when he got to the word faith, there was no equivalent word in their language for faith. And eventually they discussed it, him and his colleague, that what you're doing when you sit down on a chair and you rest all your weight upon it is faith. Resting all your weight, trusting that the chair will hold you up. And if you were at Spring Harvest 88, like I was, put your hand up. Okay. Well, I'm bitterly disappointed. <laughs> At Spring Harvest 88, Ishmael taught us. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please God. You remember that, don't you? <laughs> Smash hit, number one. Without faith it is impossible to please God. And what we are doing here is by faith. What Luke is doing is by faith. What Beth is doing is by faith. What the eldership team is doing is by faith. We live by faith. We look to God. We trust God. We don't just talk about it. We actually get in the wheelbarrow. And this is a getting in the wheelbarrow moment. So... It's a very spiritual thing 
that's happening. I'm a firm believer that everything is spiritual. This is spiritual, what's happening. Luke is becoming an elder and is becoming the elder that leads the team. So we're going to do a beginner's guide to church. Um, I've been a Christian all my life, essentially. Um, I still feel like a beginner in lots of ways. It's good to refresh ourselves sometimes. Um, as most of your sermons begin here at Life Church, I want to quote the rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Uh, so he told these three stories. The first story is of a group of 100 people looking for a place to live. And they come upon a country house. I imagine a man in a tweed jacket and a shotgun folded over his arm. And he says, I've got a big country house full of empty rooms and I'm lonely. Why don't you all come and live with me? So these 100 people come into this country house. They are his guests. They have somewhere to live, but they don't own it. They are the guests and he is the host. Then Jonathan Sachs tells the story of a, another group of 100 people who need a place to live. And they stumble upon a five-star hotel. And the hotelier says, come in, I've got plenty of rooms, 100 pounds a night. Each of them has oodles of cash in their pockets, so money's no problem. And they all live in the hotel. There, they have equality with all the other guests, because all the other guests are also paying to be there, but they don't own it. Then Jonathan Sachs tells the story of another group of 100 people. This group of 100 people are looking for a place to live, and they wander into a village, and the village come to them and say, we don't have a country house that you can stay in, and we don't have a hotel that you can pay to be a guest in. But we've got land, and if you want to build here, we will help you. Jonathan Sachs was talking about three different views of society. Do you think of society as a country house where you're a guest but have no ownership? Do you think of society as a hotel where everyone is equal but you all pay your way and nobody owns it? Or do you think of society as somewhere you build together and invest in? by the sweat of your brow, and become a partner. How we view things, our perspective, really, really matters. So how you view church really matters. Do you view church as a hotel where you leave your wet towel on the floor? Do you view hotel, uh, church as a country house where you're tiptoeing around trying not to wake up the host who, by his graces, is allowing you to stay in his home. Don't drink too much of my tea. Or do you think of church as something we are building, and if you come as a guest, I'm the host, and I'm inviting you and looking after you, and I'm putting sweat and blood into this thing that we are building together. That is the picture of the church that we need to have in our minds. We are doing this together, we are partners. And not only that, but in fact, God is building his church. 
We work with God. He is the architect. He is the builder. He is building his church. So Luke is a brick. That's your take home. But you also are a brick. Beth is a brick. We all are bricks. God is building his church. Matthew 1, Jesus says to Peter, Peter always seems to stand for the rest of the disciples. He says to Peter, I will build my church. And then Peter himself later writes in 1 Peter 2, 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a special house to be a holy priesthood. So a beginner's guide to church, we are being built in. God is doing it. God is with us. Number two, it's a place of belonging. God has always wanted a people. So church, church as you know is not a building. Church is not its leaders. I have many, as, as a sort of pastor, I have many conversations about what do you think about this church? What do you think about that church? What do you think about the other church? What do you think about Mars Hill? What do you think about Bethel? What do you think about HDB? What do you think about Hillsong? And so often what people are talking about is the leader. The church is not the leaders. The church is not the building. The church is not the meeting. The church is not Sundays. Yes, the church has leaders. Yes, the church might have building. Yes, the church has meetings. But the church is the people. Really, really important because that puts us in a story that goes right through the Bible. So last year's intern did some drawings for me so I can uh, just take you on a whistle-stop tour of the Bible. So God said to Abraham, you can't quite see it, but he's got walking sticks because he's old and he doesn't have any children. And yet God said to him, lift up your eyes, Abraham, see the stars in the sky in a clear, dark night in the Middle East with stars from one horizon to the other and said, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky, even though you're old and you can't have children and you don't have children. That was an editorial by me. Then he said later to Isaiah, that amazing prophet, he showed him a vision. In that vision, there was a mountain that was raised up higher than all the other mountains and all the nations would stream to that mountain, the people of God, the church of God. Jesus, standing on another mountain, said to his disciples, go into all the world, Make disciples of all nations, teaching them all I have taught you, and I will be with you always. So there's an Old Testament expression, the Israelites. There's a New Testament expression, the church. And then there's an age-to-come expression. We get a glimpse of it when Jesus revealed himself to John of a multitude around the throne room of God from every tribe and tongue and nation and Peterborough worshipping 
God. You are in the Bible if you are in that scene. God wants a people for himself. And so there is a place for you to belong. What God is doing isn't about buildings, it isn't about meetings, it's about people. One new humanity, breaking down, dividing walls. So what's happening today isn't just about Luke and Beth, it's about a whole church where God is working and God is interested in people. At the Exodus, Jesus, God appears to the Israelites and he says first to them, I will be your God and you will be my people. And second, here are some rules to live by. It's not, here are some rules to live by and if you qualify, I will be your God and you will be my people. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people and here are some ways to live. It's echoed again in Jeremiah 30, but again in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2.9 You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I don't know know how you feel about possessions, but uh, we're all on on a spectrum, I guess, okay? And I I tend towards minimalism, okay? In my dream house would have nothing in it. And um, Anna, Anna tends towards... Um, the other thing. And so, you know, getting rid of stuff is a moment of marital complexity. (laughs) Yes, but these children will never be two years old again. (laughs) Um, Possessions. Whatever your attitude towards them, if you've got something that is very, very precious to you, you know how important that is to you. You are God's possession. He loves you. He laid down his life for you. You are bought with a price. Not only do you belong to him, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You belong to each other. You belong to each other. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. In the Old Testament, there was a nation, and in that nation was a tribe, and in that tribe was a family, and in that family were priests. It wasn't a nation of priests. And in fact, when the king, Saul, offered a sacrifice to God when he shouldn't have done because he didn't wait for the priests, God opposed him. It's not for you to take on priesthood, even if you're a king. But now, God is making us a royal priesthood. What did the priests get to do? Minister to God, be with God. All of us get to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Luke is not becoming a priest today. We're all priests. Finally, what's happening today is a great blessing to the church. Luke's becoming an elder. He is becoming the leader of the eldership team. And it's important for us to understand that that is a gift from God 
and it's a good thing. Especially for those of us who hunger and thirst for the work of the Holy Spirit in this church, Luke becoming the leader of the eldership team is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That is explicit from Romans 12. He gives gifts of tongues, gifts of healing, gifts of leadership. This is an answer to prayer for those of you who have been on your knees crying out for a move of the Spirit amongst us. It's not the whole answer, but it's what God, by his Holy Spirit, is doing in the church. Leadership is a gift. I am a worship leader and sometimes will coach other worship leaders and will sometimes say to someone, when, when we got to that sort of junction in the service where it could have gone this way and it could have gone that way, what you needed to do was something. If you don't know what to do, do something. Because we've given you an opportunity to lead and we believe that leadership is a blessing. And in fact, not making a decision is making a decision. A decision not to do anything. Sometimes a leader just needs to make a decision and that's a great blessing to everyone. But the wonder of it is that God gives great skill and wisdom to leaders to make decisions. And leadership should be embraced as a gift from God. Like a knee should be embraced as a gift from God. Not better than an ankle, but different. Both important. 1 Corinthians does uh, tell us that we're a body, that we have different parts and that all of them are important. So what's happening today? God's in it. What's happening today is about belonging. What's happening today is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And as I, I was with you last Sunday evening and reminded you that not all leaders are the same, so don't expect Luke to fit a mold. Just accept him the way God's made him. And just to say again, a very big thank you on a personal level that you've looked after them so well. You've been so kind, so open to getting to know them and embrace them with open arms. And that does mean a lot. And I knew you would, but it's great to see it come to this point. So we've prayed for Luke and Beth. We've prayed for the eldership team. And I'd just like to end by praying for the church. Would that be okay? Lord, as we have uh, lunch now and just hang out, enjoy great fellowship, we thank you for what you've done with Luke and Beth. We thank you what you've done for, with the verticals. We lovely, love what you've done in the church, how you've been faithful, always been faithful, and always will be faithful. I pray for this church, Lord, that it is blessed by you. It grows in wisdom and stature an experience of your presence in it. Teach them all your ways, Father. Show them wonderful things in your law. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and see salvation spring up from the ground in this place. Amen.